At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know that Disney World was originally meant to be a Bioshock-style libertarian utopia? And that Walt Disney lobbied the Florida government to allow them to have their own creepy independent government? Which they still have to this day? <gasps> or how about the fact that 90s school supply company Lisa Frank was run by violent, tyrannical drug addicts who abused their employees? <gasps> well, did you know that there's a Japanese guy who killed and ate a woman in the 1970s but due to a legal loophole was never put in prison and became a weird Japanese celebrity who wrote food reviews? for magazines? Well, actually, we did know all those things because we made episodes about all of them and many more on our podcast, Deep Cuts. Deep Cuts is a deep dive explainer show that explores fascinating but true stories that you won't believe you've never heard about with deeply researched, sometimes shocking, sometimes hilarious episodes. The show is like a really juicy documentary for your ears mixed with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Deep Cuts has new episodes every single Wednesday for free. Just pause the podcast you're currently listening to and go subscribe to Deep Cuts anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> I'm really selling this. Like, you're doing great. If you're you guys love great. science, then that means that you need to love poop. And if you're going to be a scientist, just start playing with poop. That's that's uh, that's what I have to tell you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Random Theory Podcast. I have been living with this guest for the past two months now here in the T-Core house. Uh, you all know who he is, but in case you don't, he is a scientist, educator, entrepreneur, and occasional co-host on T-Core. Everybody, we're hanging out with Kenan today. <laughs> That's me. Today, we're going to be chatting about science's impact in society. And honestly, I am super pumped to talk about this because Kenan is a fantastic science communicator and has done such a great job in the space. Not only is he helping bridge the gap between scientific research and scientific conversations, but you know, that's what we're all about here on the podcast is talking about science in a digestible way. So I am super stoked to chat with Kenan today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. So before we hop into today's conversation, tell our audience who you are, what you do, and all things Kenan, because you're a super rad guy. That's that's me. Actually, that's pretty much <laughs> the only description you need. You're a super rad guy. Just a super rad guy. Yeah, I, I'm Kenan still. Have, that hasn't changed. Uh, Always good. <laughs> yep. I am still a scientist, so I study viruses currently for a living. Well, I'm actually on break right now, which is what allows me to be out here and filming with the king of random which is always a ton of fun uh and then outside of that i am a science communicator so i mostly operate on instagram but i've also done a bunch of webinars and talks across youtube and other platforms especially over the pandemic mm -hmm. uh funny how people want to listen to somebody who studies viruses during a viral pandemic right 
It's a crazy uh, concept. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I also do a little bit of teaching as well. Um, so yeah, I do. I dabble in in all the things. I love it. I know. I feel like every time I talk to you, you're just like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit all over the place. And like that's what I love about you is because you know you don't fit inside one box. You're very much just a very well-rounded person, which I love. Well, thank you. You know, I haven't worked out for a while, so. <laughs> It's a little bit of an insult, but <laughs> no, I, I like, you know I, what I mean. <laughs> I think that's what everybody should do. You know, how can you really know what's going on in life unless you experience everybody's walk? Absolutely. Uh, so talking about curiosity and science, uh, what was it that really ignited your passion for science? I think it's because as a kid, I was actually really curious like mm -hmm. all the time, but I didn't know that that's what science was about. So I grew up on a farm. And I would spend my like my summers, I would be outside from like 8 a.m., which I know you've lived with me. You've never seen me wake up that early. I've but never I <laughs> seen Kenan alive and moving around the house before maybe <laughs> nine. <laughs> Once upon a time, I used to get up and I would leave the house at 8 a.m. and then just go out and have adventures in the woods. And I would literally oh, like, I love eat the mulberries and the raspberries mm -hmm. and whatever I could find outside. Surprise, I'm still alive. <laughs> but yeah, I would, like I would explore and just ask all these questions and I didn't realize that's what science is. Yeah. I just thought I was a kid with ADHD who enjoyed adventures. And then it wasn't until I made it to college and I realized that like art classes were whatever. They're kind of really subjective. Yeah. Like, I realized when I was passing all of my art classes by going like, oh, there's red in this. So they must be angry. And they'd be like, hey, <laughs> like, OK, well, there's not a lot of fact in this. Um, and like history, it already happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and business was cool, but it it's, again, really subjective, right? Because yeah. what's working in a business model is based on what the times are. And what was always constant was my science classes. I oh, yeah. loved them because they were historical facts, things that we'd found over time, but you could apply them to the future. Exactly. And it's just all about curiosity is finding the new stuff. And all of a sudden it like clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, all those questions I was asking as a kid that I was doing a science. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing the science and it was great. <laughs> I love that. I know I, I relate to that story like significantly because like, I got a microscope when I was younger and looking at pond water for the first time under a microscope was just like mind blowing. It was the best birthday present I ever got. And like, I'll stand by that. Like to this day, sorry, mom and dad. I mean, my dad did get it for me, but so like, sorry, mom. But like, it was the coolest thing because like it opened my mind and like my eyes, to this whole other world that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Pond water is a really cool look at. Funny story. I also asked for a microscope when I was a kid and I got a telescope. So... <laughs> They were kind of close. They were. <laughs> the science does not run strong in the family. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, so considering we're talking about looking at things under a microscope and, and looking at things with the telescope, which allows you to go from very, very far away to up close in the sky. And, of course, with microscopes, you know you can see the micro world. Um, but someone told me you do a little dabbling, a little dabbling into the viruses. <laughs> I I do a little dabbling a into little. viruses. That is that is what my current PhD is in. Cool. Uh, and yeah, they're about as microscopic as you can get. Yeah, so seriously. You think of cells, uh, which is what everything is made up of, and yeah. viruses are even smaller than them because they break into your cells. Which is crazy to even think about because how many viruses are in the human body? Oh, I do you know a, a lot probably. like zillions i don't know i'm just like thinking about it and it's just like a crazy concept to like kind of think about well so there's 
a large number of viruses that yeah. are out there, but most of them don't even affect us. So like we are eating bacteriophage all the time, which are viruses that attack bacteria, but they, uh -huh. they don't do anything to your body because they literally can't infect your cells. This is a really great thing that microbiologists do. We're all about stool samples. The poop is oh, where it's Oh, yeah. <laughs> that leads to a good question of how much poop can there be in the earth? Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you break it down, probably the whole earth is just something Just poop. poop. <laughs> I always say everything poops like that is it does, the though. rule of thumb. If it's alive, it poops. I have a, a short list of very irrational fears, like <laughs> things that I shouldn't worry about that I do. And one of them is like whenever I'm driving and I really have to go to the bathroom, I always think if I get in a car accident now, I'm definitely gonna <laughs> like poop myself. <laughs> and that's how they're going to find me. I'm going to be like Elvis Presley. That is just just to share that with everybody. <laughs> that's a real thing. <laughs> Sorry, that was a super big sidebar, super big tangent, but that was awesome. Just I don't have that irrational fear, but now I feel like I do. Just the next time that you're driving, you're like, ooh, I kind of have to like pee or I kind of have to poop. Just think like if you crash, you're going to evacuate your bowels and that's how they're going to find you. Well, I've always been curious. Like I've always heard that if you pee your pants, if you get in a car accident, apparently you can like charge the insurance for like trauma or something. What? Yeah. Wait. Like the other person's like if somebody like emotional hits you trauma, yeah. And, oh. If you pee yourself, like it's like emotional trauma. Don't quote me on it. That's not a real science. I don't know anything. Don't ever use me as your source for that. I'm gonna get into an accident now, and if the insurance doesn't pay, I'm coming after you, Grace. Please don't. <laughs> Are you ready? Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day is coming on October 26th. Amazon will host live hiring events in your city to showcase all the reasons why this Amazon Warehouse is the place to work. Things like competitive pay, great benefits, and so much more. Drop in for some swag, bring a friend, and you could even walk away with a job. To find an Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day event close to you, visit Amazon.com slash Hiring Day. That's Amazon.com slash Hiring Day. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> so okay so tell us a little bit about your favorite virus i don't even know if we wrapped up that last segment in that last question but i think we did we got into poop so that's always good yeah i don't even remember what the question was i'm just glad that poop came out <laughs> uh i think you're asking like how many viruses are in humans in which case there are lots of them because it's not just the human viruses well, I was going to say, like, if you sampled, like, somebody's oh, stool yes, and yes, I had yes. to introduce that, then, like, that's actually a way that we, like, can find out what's going on. We call that the virome, which is, like, the – so your microbiome is uh -huh. all of the bacteria that's inside of your hmm. your stomach, actually your whole body. And the virome is all of the viruses that are inside of your whole body. That's so cool. Yeah. And they do a lot of things that, like, we're really – just scratching the surface of, like, how viruses can actually regulate the bacteria that are in your body, which would hmm. regulate your microbiome. Oh, wow. And we have a decent amount of new research that shows how your microbiome actually regulates your actual body. So Crazy. the bacteria in your gut can actually affect like your brain and depression and hunger oh, and things like that. I should probably get my gut checked then. Uh, people literally do things called back to poop fecal transplants where you can get like somebody's healthy poop that has like all the healthy bacteria in it. And then they like give it to you. They used to do it suppository style. Now you can take a pill, which I think I would, I don't know how I feel about pill popping poop but uh either I way i don't think i can get behind that one <laughs> either way it's a real thing and i believe it you could like replenish your uh your gut? good gut bacteria interesting i mean mostly it's used for infections like c diff sure yeah, yeah yeah i assume that there'll be other Anyone things can. that you can do it yeah that's crazy yeah 
So we're popping poop pills now. That's the science that I do. <laughs> it all comes back to poop. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to poop. I'm really selling this. Like, You're doing great. If You're you guys love great. science, then that means that you need to love poop. And if you're going to be a scientist, just start playing with poop. That's that's uh, that's what I have to tell you. <laughs> if you love science, start playing with poop. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, don't do that. <laughs> don't, please don't touch poop. <laughs> that's gross. So what is your favorite virus? I mean, there's so many good ones. There are a, good, a lot of good ones. There's a lot of bad ones, too. There are a lot. I mean, even the bad ones are cool good, yeah. when you're studying them. Like, you're like, yeah, I never want to get that. But it's like, how does it do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite is rabies. Rabies is a crazy virus. Hit uh, me with it. All right. Well, first of all, left untreated, it kills pretty much everybody. 99.999% of people who get rabies will die if you don't treat it. Holy shiitake. Yeah. And what's crazy about it is that it has, I believe the number is seven now. Let me just double check Here, this. I got you. I got you. Anyway, though. So yeah, we'll say five core proteins, okay, right? Cool. So to put this into context, humans have about 23,000 proteins that it takes to operate your body. Whoa. Like that's what keeps us alive yeah. and like wrecking the world and doing whatever we do. Rah. Yeah. 23,000 proteins. Rah. And then like this tiny virus that's so super small, smaller than one of your cells mm -hmm. that only has five proteins gets into you and is like, ha ha, shut you down. Dead. <laughs> and not only is it just like dead, it travels your nervous system. So once it gets in, it gets into your nervous system and then it just travels all the way like a nice highway up to your brain and then starts doing this wonky stuff with your brain that either completely paralyzes you, which is like probably the better version. Oh my god. Or like overheats your brain, starts making everything go crazy. You start foaming from the mouth. Like this is, rabies is probably it's where- basically like short circuiting yourself. Yeah. And then like it comes back into your salivary glands and like makes you like want to like lash out at somebody, which is how it spreads is like bite by bites. And so it's like all also, probably rabid dogs are one of the highest causes of rabies. So yeah. it's very likely that like the mythology of werewolves originated from rabies. Because like you get bit by this rabid dog and then all of a sudden you start acting like the rabid dog. Maybe you bite somebody Whoa. else. Yeah. Yeah. Rabies is a very crazy, cool virus <laughs> if you don't have it. <laughs> crazy cool if you don't have it if you do you need to get it treated yes yes asap rocky luckily there's like a hundred percent survival rate for treating it nowadays yeah. uh you just get uh a little bit of antibody mix and you get the vaccine which is crazy how that works but it's because it normally takes so long for it to get yeah. to you that uh that gives your immune system enough time to like shut it down and be like hey get this guy out of here hey, hey, hey. and with only five Whoa. proteins it doesn't have a really good way of getting around sure but it still has the ability to travel up to your brain. It will if it's travel untreated. to your brain and kill you. Woo. So what moment was it that, you know, I love the first time I met you out here with Tigor like a year ago. Like I know, right? It's crazy. And something I loved the first time like I really met you and sat down and had a conversation with you is that you make science digestible and understandable for the average mm -hmm. person. And I love that because there's such a big gap and bridge between how science is communicated and scientific research to the layperson. So what moment was it that really ignited that passion for you to be a science communicator? Well, I was a terrible student as a kid. Um, uh, and I always feel like science is so, so cool. Like everybody. It's rad. It's so rad. Everyone should have the opportunity to access science. Everybody is interested in science, yes. whether you know it or not. Like if you're like, oh, I'm a techie and I really love my new phone. It is science that it's is big what science. makes that, right? If you're a fashion designer, you're like, wow, Velcro. NASA invented Velcro. Like, Literally. There's 
everything that functions in the world can be explained by science. That's the whole point of science, right? Mm -hmm. It's to explain the living. Um, And so for me, it was, I really loved science and learning about it. And I really hated when people would just deliver it in a dry way. I was like, why do you make this thing that I love sound boring? Yes. Um, And there's really great examples of people who made it fun and interesting and cool. I mean, you've got Bill Nye the Science Guy, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Bill Nye. Yes. And even cooler people as I started getting into college (laughs) with like the physics girl and Veritasium and Hank Green, the Green Mm -hmm. Brothers, like all these people that were making this boring science really relatable. And I thought that was really cool. And I think the changing moment for me was, while I did this in my everyday life, just talking to people about this, never communicating it to a big audience, Right. was when I was in undergrad, my professor, Dr. Catherine Miller Hunt, she really encouraged me to go out to schools and like to actually give back to the community. Mm-hmm. She's very adamant about this. And so was Dr. Porus Alfaro, who I worked with. And it was through those experiences where they kind of like put me in the classroom. I got to start teaching K through 12 kids, especially young kids. Like if you can explain something to like an eight-year-old, eight-year-olds find everything exciting. Yes. And so like if you're explaining it and an eight-year-old doesn't find it exciting, like you're doing something wrong. Exactly. That like gives me chills like even thinking about it because like I love going to classrooms like that too. And I mean, the questions they ask you are things that you kind of forget about and then you're like, oh, that was a super great question. Right. Let me explain that to you. And because you're jazzed, I'm now super jazzed. Like, it, it just like, it's this great reaction between you and the students that you're talking with. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that, so that, that was the moment where I was like, this is really cool. And I started wanting to share my own research. And I was researching viruses spread by mosquitoes at that point. Hmm. And I started talking about it. And everybody in my hometown was like, oh, that's too smart. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like a two point something GPA student. Like if I can understand this, you guys yeah. can. Yeah. Uh, and so I started Science with Kenan my senior year then where I just literally started just explaining fun science things. And all of a sudden people started thinking that science was cool again. And that was a changing moment for me. As soon as I started getting those responses, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is really interesting. Like it is. Isn't it's it? so cool. <laughs> OK, so I love that you started Science with Kenan because it really is bridging that gap between the research community and the scientific community and the general public. Um, And that's a really big gap that needs to be filled. I feel like that bridge is like crumbling between the two of them, or even if it was even built in the first place, it might be a couple pieces of plywood. But how have you found um, through Science with Kenan and communicating to the general public how to fix that gap? Yeah, uh, there's so many things in in there. I mean, there's so many things. (laughs) I that, I don't I think you're right. The the original bridge is like a plywood plank if if yes. it ever existed and especially now in the environment that we have with misinformation, people being really invested in science mm-hmm. but maybe not so much knowing how to understand it. We have a lot of misinformation and stuff out there that's just really tearing down this the ivory towers as we call right. it versus what people generally want to know. But I think to get at the question that you asked which is how do I try to bridge it? I found that a, explain it like you're explaining it to a sixth grader. Yeah. You don't need to act like you're smarter than everybody in order to be credible. Like what you really want as a communicator is for people to understand what you're trying to communicate you to connect them. connect with them. Yeah. So you don't have to come out and use all the jargon and big words and stuff. You, mm-hmm. you just want to explain it in a simple way that somebody could understand so that they can ask questions and you can actually open up a conversation. I think that's the first part is learning how to condense what you want to say into a digestible manner. Yeah. 
But the second part is that as scientists, I don't know, maybe we're more emotionless than other people, <laughs> but generally people like to communicate through emotion, right? Yeah. It's not all facts that get you there. And so mm -hmm. knowing your audience and being open to, you know, they come from this perspective, yeah. how can you connect with that audience first? Don't just mm -hmm. bull in with facts like, here they are, you're wrong. Yeah. How can you say like, I hear you, I understand you, let's get to the right answer together. And I think mm -hmm. that Bridging those two together has kind of been my strategy for, for communicating science. It's like, hey, how can I take these really complex ideas and break them down so we can have a conversation about it? I love and if that. we disagree, how can we at least be on the same page so that we are having a conversation and not arguing? Right. I think one of the hard pieces as scientists is um, the more specific your science becomes, the more your info becomes like instead of something that's like very large and broad, it comes very like narrowed. So like, for example, I am a scientist. You are a scientist. I study meteorology. You study viruses. I can't tell you anything about a virus other than it might make you sick. And you can look at a cloud and say, that's a cloud. Yeah. So I can tell because it looks like one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cloud. You can tell by the way that it is. <laughs> yep. That's that's my meteorology. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think that's something that people forget is that when you are in a specific field, it is very, very specific. Yeah. The more education that you get, the more narrow you are. Mm -hmm. So. I knew a lot of broad information as a microbiologist. When I got my my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's degree, I knew a lot of different things about microbiology. Yeah. Going into a PhD, I don't study a lot of microbiology now. I study a specific virus, the herpes virus, mm -hmm. and I don't there's a lot of aspects to the herpes virus. There's how does it get into you? What yeah. does it do once it's in you? How does it come back out, right? I only study one aspect, a very specific aspect. So, my expertise is how do herpes viruses get into brain cells and move inside of them? Hmm. That is where it ends. And that's pretty much everybody who's in a, a yeah. PhD or any type of science, yeah. right? You, the more that you learn, the more specific. So it becomes this very narrow sliver, mm -hmm. which is great. It makes you really, really smart on your specific topic. And then you have a bunch of scientists together who can start to piece. Each person has a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And all of them together make the full picture, right? But what you do get as a scientist, and this is kind of my my argument for expertise and respecting expertise is that you also learn the tools for how to understand information. So while I may be very, very knowledgeable in how a virus gets into your brain and travels, yeah. I know how to read papers and I understand a lot of biology so that if you ask me a question of not even something in the microbiology world, like, hey, how does this cancer work? I yeah. can go and read reviews and papers and understand the science and I'm trained in that so mm -hmm. that I can answer these questions. So my expertise is very narrow, but my skill set allows me to broadly understand yeah. science. Which I love. Uh, and something that I really wanted to talk about is how can individuals be more knowledgeable about their sources? You were just talking about research papers and uh, understanding the info in them. And that is a very tough task as someone that has had to read meteorological research papers. Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> they are like just it looks like gibberish. It's just equation after equation after oh. equation. And so for me, it's kind of like, how can we be more knowledgeable about our sources as um, more science is becoming more accessible to the general public yeah. and they're taking more interest in it? So 
your tips for our audience on how they can find the best sources possible? Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, <laughs> it all comes back to what you learned in grade school first. You know, the most oh, yeah. <laughs> trustworthy things are probably not Wikipedia. Although I do use Wikipedia sometimes when I'm looking up oh, a protein. I do too. People aren't lying about proteins on Wikipedia. No, no. <laughs> uh, but no, you want to start from like a, a .gov. Like, and I know people have mixed feelings about the government, but the CDC is not going to publish misinformation out mm-hmm. there, right? So the basic information about whatever you're looking at, it's going to be accurate. And that's normally at a more broad level. So CDC, FDA, those are great places to start. Mm -hmm. .orgs, .edu. So a lot of times like universities will have their websites. Universities are the ones who are pushing research forward, doing a lot of the research. Yeah. Um, That's a good place to start. Another good place to start is trusted experts, which gets a little fuzzy (laughs) because it's been really sad to see how many trusted experts are out there who are trying to make money. And Mm -hmm. so they will try to spread some sort of narrative that's not necessarily true. Uh, And so I always just say, follow the money on that, right? Yeah. I don't get paid to say anything. There's, I wish that somebody was out here like, hey, I'll pay you to talk about Nicki Minaj's tweet. Yeah. No, it's, you do it. There's a lot of scientists out there who are there to give you their expertise and they're not sitting on a platform. So Mm -hmm. if somebody's making money from something, I would question that. But outside of that, asking physicians, asking scientists, asking experts, that's what they dedicated their lives to studying. And then when you get to doing your own research, reading primary literature, that's that's an acquired skill, actually. That is an acquired skill, discovering what is primary literature and what is not. And how to understand it also, right? Yes. a whole part of your PhD training is literally learning how to rip apart papers. Like, mm-hmm. we're like, all right, here's a paper. What did they do wrong? What can we actually take away from yeah. this? And that's part of the training. And unfortunately, as much as I love to say anybody can be a scientist, not anybody can be a researcher. Researching takes a lot of specific training, and that's what the schooling's actually It's a for. very specific skill. Mm-hmm. From I have a couple friends that went and made not well they majored in meteorology but they went on to do research and i mean that is just like i look at them as like the rock stars <laughs> of the science community because like they're they're digging through the data they're understanding it and they're putting it into these papers for people to really understand yeah. and dig into the topic which yeah. is kind of crazy yeah i i typically I couldn't. say like for the general person like Unless you're really interested and you just want to like spend a few years like learning how to read and then that's when you need to talk to experts to help you understand it is a review is a good like threshold Mm -hmm. for reviews are great because they normally give you a broad overview. They'll reference you to the original papers, but they're more understandable. Yeah. Which I'm all about a review. Me too. (laughs) So wrapping up our podcast today, uh, I have two questions um, that I ask all of our people. So what is something that continues to inspire you? Bill and I used to have a saying that everybody knows something that you don't. And I live by that. I love just meeting people. It's been hard with COVID, but you know, Zoom's been really cool. It's just really great to meet people Mm -hmm. and hear their stories and learn from them. So people inspire me. As cheesy as that sounds. No, I love that. I've always said that I never want to be the smartest person in a room. Yeah, find a new room. Yeah. If you're in a room where you're the smartest person, it's time for you to move on and like you said, find a new room, yeah. find something else to learn because there's always something to learn. And then what piece of advice would you give to the younger generation? 
the biggest thing I'd like to see is for people to stop idolizing artists and athletes and actresses and whatever and start idolizing the people that are actually making an impact, mm -hmm. which isn't just scientists, but also, you know, our police officers, our firefighters, our teachers who are the ones who build the future for all of yeah. us. And so I think that if we had a society where we idolized and exalted, you know, people who are impacting society in a positive manner versus just being famous for looking good or playing a game, yeah. that we would have a much better society. I completely agree. If you're a teacher, you deserve a raise. We believe in you. Thanks for making America, America's children, smarter That's every single right. day. <laughs> Kenan, this has been great. I'm sad to see you go back to Chicago. It's been two months of awesome living together. We've had good times. It's been awesome. No bad times. No bad times. I mean, there was a time that you almost died in a catapult. That was a little scary. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> Guys, Kenton literally saved my life. He like floated me on my back. I low-key knocked the wind out of myself and thought I broke a rib. Um, you're getting the behind the scenes because I don't think anyone knows that. Yeah. But here we are. But Kenan saved my life. It's awesome. We're doing great. Kenan, thank you so much for joining us out here with T-Core. Um, guys, follow Kenan on Instagram. All the things. What is your plug? I am at Kenna Hutchison on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and LinkedIn. Whatever else. Yeah, <laughs> Kenan on LinkedIn. Hit me up on LinkedIn. That's, <laughs> that's where my main spot is. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Guys, make sure you hit that like, comment, subscribe, give us a rating, review, do all the things. I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to any other platform that you listen to your things on, but you know what to do and how to help us out. And we appreciate it more than you know. If there's something you want us to dive into on the Random Theory podcast, let us know in the comments below or send us a message on the King of Random on Instagram. Thank you guys. And I'll see you next week. Woo woo. Woo. Dive into poop. Are you ready? Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day is coming on October 26th. Amazon will host live hiring events in your city to showcase all the reasons why this Amazon Warehouse is the place to work. Things like competitive pay, great benefits, and so much more. Drop in for some swag, bring a friend, and you could even walk away with a job. To find an Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day event close to you, visit Amazon.com slash hiring day. That's Amazon.com slash hiring day. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Are you ready? Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day is coming on October 26th. Amazon will host live hiring events in your city to showcase all the reasons why this Amazon Warehouse is the place to work. Things like competitive pay, great benefits, and so much more. Drop in for some swag, bring a friend, and you could even walk away with a job. To find an Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day event close to you, visit Amazon.com slash hiring day. That's Amazon.com slash hiring day. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.